0: Thank you for downloading the Bangla Cricket Podcast, I'm Roshan and in this episode we'll be looking back at the Cricket World Cup. Apologies for the hiatus, was quite busy covering it, uh, watching the Bangladesh games and doing stuff for the BBC, but we are back and joining me as cricket writer Talhid Qureshi. Talhid, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you, thank you for having me. I've, uh, I've been eagerly awaiting to, to be on your podcast.
0: And you're here and I'm very pleased to have you here, a man who... Uh, I, I'm saying covers Bangladesh and follows them in the places that many journalists may not. A couple of weeks now, well, since the, the World Cup finished, has it all sort of settled down in your mind as as to what happened? Yeah, it's been it's been an interesting kind of uh, couple of weeks,
1: I guess. Yeah, since since the end of the World Cup. Kind of seems like a bit of a dream in an odd kind of way. So much kind of happened in the space of kind of six, seven weeks of the tournament. Then we obviously had that amazing sort of climax in the tournament. Um, from a personal point of view, obviously kind of following Bangladesh on the road to lots of weird and wonderful places that I hadn't been before um so yeah a real kind of action-packed sort of six or seven weeks as i'm sure it was for you as well um and actually i'm kind of missing it to be honest i certainly the first couple of days after the uh uh the world cup ended i definitely um there was a sense of something missing in terms of there should be a game on but um but no yeah it's uh it's well for me it was a great tournament and um Yeah, just lots to to kind of reflect on.
0: Yeah, I I know what you mean by that kind of like it just happened and it kept going on. And actually, at times, because of the nature of the tournament, there was very little time to sort of, I guess, regroup and kind of gather your thoughts. It just sort of happened. And then before you knew it, you were at the next game, the next fixture. Um, And with the exception of that weird eight day break before the India game, I think it felt like Bangladesh were always on. Uh, and always traveling, and always going to the next game. Um, let's let's talk a little about Bangladesh and their performance during the Cricket World Cup. It's it's been hard for me to figure out whether it was a good one or a bad one because it felt like certainly to start with it was a good World Cup, and I think having those big wins early on in the tournament against uh, South Africa um, and the West Indies, and then the close sort of loss against New Zealand. It felt like there was a lot of positivity and optimism and ambition around Bangladesh. It felt like that that kind of touted semi-final spot was very much in contention, and it was realistically uh, until maybe the penultimate game. But in hindsight, having finished eighth, having seen the reaction uh, by the sort of board in, in, in sacking Steve Rhodes and not renewing, you know, a couple of their sort of tr- coaching staff's contracts, was it a bad World Cup?
1: Yeah, I mean, fascinating question. Um, If you'd have asked me that sort of a couple of weeks into the tournament, I would have said Bangladesh had kind of exceeded expectations up, up to that sort of point, sort of two or three weeks into the tournament. But, yeah, I was just thinking about this kind of this morning, actually, about, OK, where did they actually finish up in the table? As you said, they finished eighth place out of uh, the 10 teams, so only West Indies, Afghanistan below them. So, ultimately, if you look at kind of the hard kind of facts and statistics, I would have to say they, they kind of fell short of uh, where they hoped to be. I think um, a more kind of realistic target would have been well ultimately, to kind of um reach the semis but if if that um, wasn't wasn't kind of a possibility, then I think they were hoping to be kind of like the best of the rest, so that kind of fifth spot at the very least so so not being able to kind of achieve that, I would say is is well certainly a disappointment in in terms of the fans following them, and as you say yeah the the kind of there's been a bit of fallout um post the tournament in terms of how the board have gone about um kind of changing the management structure um for me there's an element i think of that kind of knee jerk reaction um certainly in the case of steve rose i thought he did uh well his his record was was a pretty, pretty decent one i say certainly going into the world cup uh you know a good asia cup um a little while ago then a good kind of uh well a couple of iffy tours away from home but that's kind of uh not not um unusual for Bangladesh teams in sort of south africa and new zealand testing conditions but then a good kind of uh, prep to the campaign um as you were kind of saying at the start uh, yeah i was in a, i was in ireland for a good kind of week or so it was very cold but um, but yeah, Bangladesh played really well, I thought, in terms of that kind of tri-series tournament uh, um, and then sort of going into the tournament the first couple of weeks kind of performing really well. Um, but ultimately, like you say, they've uh, chosen not to continue with uh, sort of Steve Rhodes and also Courtney Walsh, the bowling coach, the bowling coach and um, the, the, the spin bowling coach as well. So... Um, yeah, on the face of it, that would kind of um, kind of assume that that it hasn't been a successful tournament.
0: Yeah, I I throughout the tournament, when asked what were Bangladesh's objectives, I mean the semi-final thing was touted a lot, especially in Bangladeshi press. I think it was also uh, probably sort of said by a couple of the, the players and the coach. And like, I genuinely I really believe there are players in that dressing room who would go into each match believing they could win it. I genuinely think Shaqibar Hassan would have gone into each of those games thinking we can win this. But I kept saying again and again, in all reality, and actually Mishrafi said this before the tournament, the seventh best team in the world don't go into a World Cup expecting to win. They are not favourites to be in the semi-final spot. And so I always said that the kind of the, the next best takeaway from the from the tournament actually possibly a bigger takeaway would be rewriting bangladesh's cricketing reputation by which i mean people don't follow bangladesh day in day out the way you or i do or the way that people fans in bangladesh do or the way that cricket journalists do um and so a world cup every four years becomes a kind of a kind of renewal of your opinion of, of an international side like Bangladesh. And so I, I said that if Bangladesh were able to rewrite their cricketing reputation to the extent that teams and boards went, actually, here's a team of quality, here's a team that are really competitive, here's a team that are going to fill stadiums, that might be a bigger win for Bangladesh. And yeah, it is really disappointing. But I wonder whether we achieved something. and I wonder when they sit down to work at the next... Uh, Future Tours programme, I wonder whether the Australians of this world, the Englands, are going to go, do you know what? Bangladesh are really good value for money during that World Cup. Let's have them over for a bilateral series. I wonder if that's going to be the takeaway, or a takeaway.
1: I think you're absolutely right, yeah, no, I think you've hit the nail on the head in terms of just Bangladesh, the cricket team kind of changing people's perceptions of them. Certainly, like you say, World Cup comes around every four four years. Um, There's lots of kind of casual observers who who don't necessarily, like you say, sort of tune in all the time and follow all international cricket. So, yeah, absolutely. It was an opportunity for Bangladesh as a team to put themselves in the shop window, if you like. And certainly, you know, if you look at individual players, certainly... Players like uh, you know Shakib, for instance, to to kind of become that household name that, that kind of you and I and all sort of Bangladesh cricket followers know that that he kind of is back in Bangladesh, but to do that on that international stage has as you say kind of enhanced his reputation and also yeah like you say from a team point of view, most definitely, I think it 's enhanced their um, you know, their uh, leverage, if you like, in terms of being able to um, potentially um, kind of negotiate better bilateral, more high high profile kind of bilateral series against the top teams. And I think that's already kind of coming to fruition um, as we see they've got this uh, test series Um, lined up against India in India so uh, coming up in November time later on this year and that's actually the first ever time that India have invited uh, Bangladesh over for a full test series in India that in itself is quite a staggering fact I think sort of 20 odd years post um, elevation to, to, to test status that's you know this is the first time that's that's happening so like you say, most definitely, I think bangladesh 's performance, certainly those kind of eye catching um, performances against the likes of West Indies and uh, South Africa, I think that really did put them in the spotlight and it 's yeah, like you say, I think it 's about changing people 's perceptions of them um, previously you know the 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 odd result that uh, Bangladesh would be able to um, achieve against a lower uh, sorry, against a higher ranked team, you know, it'd be very much perceived to be a bit of an upset, a bit of a, um, you know, an underdog doing well on their day. But I think certainly what this um, World Cup has done is to kind of um, really uh, kind of solidify their reputation as, as a team that needs to be taken seriously um, amongst you know the top ranked teams in the world.
0: Yeah, do you know what? Actually, I, I completely forgot that. That was one of the big things that happened in, at the start of the World Cup. I think people started to realise that these weren't upsets. These were these were genuine, legitimate wins by a quality, quality side. Um, do you have any personal highlights and lowlights? I'll share mine. I think my highlight was the West Indies game at Taunton. Those short boundaries, Chris Gale, everything was set up for this massive high-scoring game. Uh, and it was, it was... To put Bangladesh to the sword potentially with the big hit in Chris Gale, but he was out for a duck, I think. Um and he yeah, had just the clinical nature of that chase, winning by I think it was seven wickets in the end. Um, Shukid with one of his centuries, uh Little Dars coming into the to the game and scoring a ninety out in his first World Cup match. That for me was a big moment. That for me was the highlight. For me it's hard to pick a low point actually, weirdly, because we were good in defeat. Um, I think we were really close at New Zealand. I think I was most disappointed by the England game because I think that's one—that's one people I think I will certainly I look forward to. It's the host nation. It's the big team. It's at Cardiff, which is a special place for Bangladesh after you know the, the sort of Australian New Zealand wins. But they sort of seemed to peach away quite quickly, and with the exception of I think Shakib that day who got in the other century, and um, I think Mushvik scored I think forty odd. None of the other batsmen really got off the mark. Um, there were there were a handful of wickets here and there, but. It was a bizarre one because I think they named an unchanged team for a third time in a row, despite the conditions, despite the opponent. Um, and I remember looking at the team sheet that day and, and going, oh, hang on, they're unchanged again. And going, where's Abujaida? Where's Rubel? Um And so for me, that, that, that was, I think, off the New Zealand loss, I felt that they would have maybe shaken up the side and look, looked at the conditions, but they persisted with the same 11. Um, and that for me was, uh, yeah, it felt like we'd lost the game more or less at the team, at the toss, to be honest. What were your What were your high points and low points?
1: Yeah, no, I I kind of certainly agree with 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 a lot of what you just said. So yeah, certainly that Windy's uh, win certainly up there amongst the highlights. Um, just an amazing partnership between Shakib and Mushi to to kind of um, kind of set up that win really in terms of that run chase. And I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong. I think that was the highest chase um, of the tournament. I think it was about 320 odd. Um, there they were chasing, as you say, kind of small ground, but but certainly a fantastic performance against a real well. Before the tournament against the Windy's team that had really been kind of talked up as being kind of potential favourites going into the actual uh, competition. So fantastic win there. In terms of my highlights, um, yeah, so... Those first couple of games at the Oval were pretty amazing, just in terms of the atmosphere for me, um, and also the performances. Obviously, that first game against uh, South Africa was a pretty stunning win. From a personal point of view, I was there with my, my dad, so got to watch that with my myself and my dad in the stands.
0: Oh, that's amazing. How nice is that?
1: That was fantastic, yeah. Unlike you, I wasn't in the nice sort of air-conditioned um, <laughs> box that so I'm sure you get to watch all the cricket. Do, do, you
0: know what, do you know what? you know? My mum was livid at me because I'd, I'd, before I knew I was going to do, be doing stuff for Five Live, I'd bought tickets to the two oval matches because I, it's my favourite stadium. Like it, It's a fan stadium. It's one of the few cricket stadiums that actually feels like a stadium rather than sort of a series of stands around a a kind of pitch Um, and so I I, I promised to take my mum to to one of the games and when I ended up working it she decided not to go so she she now begrudges me missing out on watching Bangladesh beat South Africa but that's the story of another time. Indeed yeah sounds (laughs)
1: sounds like you owe her a favour there I'd say. Yeah I think Um, so. um, But yeah so I thought that second game, like you said, that, um, that kind of near loss against um, uh, New Zealand, where they were, we had them sort of eight down, couldn't quite force a win there. I thought actually the the atmosphere in that game was even better than the, the previous game against South Africa. It was a day night game. As that game was building and building to that crescendo, more and more New Zealand wickets were going down the stadium. And yeah, I go to the Oval a lot. I live kind of a couple of miles from the Oval, Surrey cricket member myself Um, so yeah I hadn't quite seen an atmosphere like that at the Oval so that was absolutely electric Um, in terms of disappointments yeah certainly the the England game you're right was a bit of a funny one I was really looking forward to it it was kind of one of the ones that I'd kind of underlined in in red in the in the in the calendar that I had for all their fixtures Um, and yeah getting an early train as well to Cardiff kind of high expectations but yeah I, I kind of got the feeling that once you know England got going once the likes of Bester and Roy got going on that kind of strange dimensions I remember in the Cardiff Cardiff pitch but yeah once England got going posted that mammoth total I think it was 380 odd I thought it was always going to be a, a, a tall order there um but yeah, for me, I think the way that the the tournament ended against Pakistan was, a, a, a yeah, a, a, a real disappointment, really, because actually, I was just looking at the table earlier, and yeah, as you say, Bangladesh finished uh, eighth overall, Pakistan finishing fifth in the end, but I'm pretty sure if Bangladesh would have won or had won that game against Pakistan, they would have ended up on nine points uh, level with Pakistan, but I'm pretty sure... Sort of on net run rate, they would have ended up finishing above them in fifth place. So, just from a points, you know, uh, position, uh, position in the table point of view, it, it wasn't um, a great um, performance from them. And, I mean, mitigating factors yes, they just lost to India a few days earlier, which obviously ended all hopes of the semi final. But that notwithstanding, um, playing at packed house at Lords, um, you know, such vociferous support that both teams actually received, and to put in a performance that was so insipid, and I felt that it was actually the the kind of worse. Uh, performance of the of the tournament was, was a particularly disappointment. And also because it came right at the end of the tournament, you know, it's almost like, well, yeah, you don't want to finish on such a kind of low note really, but but that is what happened.
0: Yeah, I feel like for as long as the team had something to play for, even if it was uh just mathematically, like even the India game they you know, they 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 gave you know, they lost by what, was it twenty eight runs in the end, but it felt like there was a bit of a chase on, it felt like it was going to be close. It felt like, there was there was something to fight for. But it, that Pakistan game, I felt like they were already in the waiting room at Heathrow uh, a little bit and just had to sort of go through the motions. And so, yeah, a huge letdown, actually, for what could have been... I mean, I, in my head, I'd spent weeks building that Pakistan match-up as this poetic Bangladesh coming full circle 20 years on from Northampton and the game that got us test status. Uh, but it really petered away to not much. And in the end, um, I think the biggest thing... Came from preventing Pakistan from qualifying from the semi-finals. There's very little else to take in or take away from that game.
1: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah, again, that was another sort of game that was uh, highlighted in red in my uh, in my calendar as one of the big ones. And um, yeah, like you say, kind of disappointing because of uh, yeah, sort of know, the, the sort of historical rivalry between the teams, an obvious one, and also, also, like you say, sort of 20 years after sort of 99. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think in some of the performances of the players, it seemed that, yeah, their their kind of minds were already on the sort of the
0: aeroplane back home to, to Dhaka. So what next then for Bangladesh? And I mean, I know we've got this Sri Lanka series, which we'll ch- talk about in just a moment, but no head coach, uh, no... Long-term plan about the captain. So Mashraf is not going to Sri Lanka, but he also hasn't retired. So nobody's quite sure what the plan is there. Uh, there are rumours that they're trying to hastily organise a, a home series to give him a farewell, but there's no date on that. Um, let's start with the captaincy. I was asked who takes over from Mashraf in Wotatsa, and my initial reaction was to go, what? it will be shaqib But then I was like, well, hang on, Shaqib's, sort of what, 32 now? Is he going to play in the next Cricket World Cup? He could. He, you know, he 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 could be reaching the kind of twilight of his career at the next Cricket World Cup, uh, and that could be his final hurrah. But that's not necessarily a kind of clear answer. It's not like he's twenty eight and you'll be like, oh, he's thirty two. Yeah, he'll definitely be there. Um, and so I did start to sort of wonder, actually, who is Bangladesh's next captain, and is it a clear cut Shakib decision?
1: Obviously, shaqib at the moment is uh, captain of the test team and the T20 team. So from a, you know, a continuity point of view, it makes sense to to put him in as captain of the 50-over team as well. Um, I guess there's a couple of things to maybe be wary of with um, putting so much responsibility on Shaqib's shoulders. Obviously, you know, he's, I think he stands alone as, as being Bangladesh's best current player, if not their best player of all time. So to put so much responsibility on his shoulders may or may not be such a uh, such a good thing. Um Secondly, you know, going into his past, I know there have been sort of certain issues around his kind of discipline and, and disciplinary issues kind of um with with the board so from that point of view um yeah a couple of doubts maybe but certainly from a uh, a continuity point of view that would make sense um in terms of of Mushfri and um yeah you know when he should leave and and if he'll leave i i really well, I think everyone knows now that you know it's, it's a given that, that he that he has to leave really sort of sooner rather than later. And the one thing that I I hope he doesn't do is to kind of hold on for too long to the captaincy and, and thereby kind of uh, tarnish his uh, reputation and tarnish his his kind of legacy. For me, Masrouri has been again head and shoulders the best captain that Bangladesh have have had as a team.
0: Oh, 100%. An incredible servant for the game, an incredible servant for Bangladesh. Um, but I wonder whether there'll be a sense of wanting to hold the fort until Bangladesh feel they have a proper replacement. Uh, in, And, uh, you know, to, totally, totally on board with um, your, your, your thoughts on Shakib and, you know, the, the last time around it didn't go well. We are dealing with a significantly more mature Shakib, I think. Um, you know, his his sort of headspace, his behaviour, his maturity is so much different to the first time around. So there's no doubt that I think he's he's capable of looking after and captaining that Bangladesh one day side. It's more of a question of whether, and I imagine this is a conversation that will probably happen, is Shakib going to play to the next Cricket World Cup? Because, you know, World Cups are these watershed moments and if he's not, or he's like, actually, I'm going to retire in a couple of years. And that's, you know, you know I, I imagine someone like Shakib will want to play for as long as possible he'll want to give everything to you know he literally can't similar to Masrafi actually not a million miles away I imagine he'll want to give everything so I would love Shaki to take over that captain's yarn man and see Bangladesh through to the next cricket world cup but that is a Shaki decision isn't it it's not it's not it's not you know it's not something we can decide if he's like actually a couple more years and I'm packing it in and becoming a 2020 specialist uh for the franchises around the world and I'm gonna earn my retirement. <laughs> There's nothing you can do, is there?
1: <laughs> Definitely, yeah. I mean, I, I yeah, I I would be surprised if Shakib doesn't make uh, uh, the next World Cup in in four years' time. Um, I think, yeah. Obviously, being an off-spin bowler. You know, there's not so much, uh, there's not as much exertion um, as you know being like a uh, a fast bowling all rounder, if you like. So as long as you know he keeps himself fit, and certainly it seems that sort of leading up to the World Cup, he he um, kind of put in this kind of renewed. Uh, fitness regime, and um, certainly, I think if he if he kind of maintains that over the next few years, I, I'd be very surprised if he if he didn't make the next World Cup. Um, one thing I'd, I'd like to get your views on, actually, Roshan, is that uh, it seems to me, you know, talking about people retiring and knowing when to retire is quite absolutely critical and, and crucial in terms of a uh, an international cricket team. It seems to me that not only in Bangladesh, but for me, in, in sort of all South Asian teams, players generally get it a bit wrong in in kind of playing for too long, rather than you know retiring at the appropriate moment. Um, and also, it strikes me as you know, places like England, for example, I think anyway that that sometimes you know when when a captain retires from the team. They, you know, that's kind of it. They they kind of don't play any form of cricket anymore, even though, OK, Alistair Cook at the moment may be a bit of an exception. But certainly all the captains sort of previous to him have, have kind of just called it a day. And in, mm. in my view, maybe a bit prematurely. So I don't know if, 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 if that's something that strikes a chord with you, whereas in sort of South Asia, players tend to try and, Hang on to, with dear life to their places for for as long as possible. But um, back in sort of maybe in countries like England, Australia, it's kind of the opposite. And you know, once a player falls out of favour, that's
0: kind of it. Yeah, yeah I, I think there's something in that. I mean, we're seeing some sort of fascinating, uh, a, a sort of fascinating scenario play out with MS Dhoni in India um, doing, I think, like army service and therefore can't play in the next series, which a lot of people are sort of raising their eyebrows at. I I, I wonder whether you know, I think like for players in England there's always a, a kind of not so much a retirement plan but there's options you know there there are options that you know they become backroom staff they go into coaching they play county cricket for a bit longer um so i wonder whether those options are not as uh, kind of readily available but having said that we do have a bcb kind of backroom staff made up of Former captains and former players, you know, uh, Khalid Mahmood is uh, interim coach for the Sri Lanka tour. Habibul Bashar's in the mix, so and you know, actually talking about Mashrafi more how he literally has a has a parliamentary job waiting for him, so he's not he's not going to struggle to pay the direct debits, I don't think. Um, but I get it, and you know, I think if if players like or love doing something as uh, as much as they love playing cricket, and they are still playing at a, a level and a quality that they can still perform for the side, then that's great. You know, why not? But I think sometimes you can get into a situation. I think, you know, there were articles during the World Cup questioning Musharraf's input into the side. And that, that for me, is is never a nice situation. And, you know, the the players rightfully came out in defence of their captain. um, And, you know, I still think even now, he was definitely the right person to captain us to the World Cup. But I just wonder whether there's a a lack of a post-international cricket Plan, you know, the salary difference between playing domestic and international cricket in Bangladesh, I imagine huge compared to, you know, county cricket. And so I wonder whether players feel that there's not much of, no, 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 there aren't, there aren't options, but maybe they're not sure what, what life is like beyond cricket. And that's pure speculation. I have no evidence to back that up. But I wonder whether, like, certainly if I was a player in England, I'd I feel like I had a few more options um, from coaching to first-class cricket to becoming a PE teacher if I wanted to, you know, do you know what I mean? But I don't know if those options necessarily exist in South Asia.
1: Yeah, I, I certainly take your point. I think, yeah, there is that sort of financial kind of imperative, um, you know, I again, I don't have much evidence to back this up, but I would imagine a lot of international players um, have kind of been elevated to this, um, kind of uh financial you know been elevated to receive these kind of financial awards that they rewards that they wouldn't otherwise kind of receive so to then yeah i guess to kind of give that up so readily might, might well not be
0: the uh the most easiest thing to do let's look ahead then to this Sri Lanka tour um i'm going to be honest like um, I'm, it's great that Bangladesh are playing cricket and they'll, we'll have some stuff to follow. I feel like it's sort of bizarrely quite soon after the Cricket World Cup, and I know, OK, fine, the Ashes are starting, but I kind of feel like it could have done with a little bit of a, a rest period because it, it, it feels not hastily arranged, but it does feel like... I, I don't know why we're going to Sri Lanka, if I'm honest.
1: Yeah, it does It does feel like a strange kind of uh, series. So there's only three ODIs, and and yeah you're right in, in kind of the grand scheme of things you think well what's kind of the point of that the next um, kind of big appointments or you know the, the next big schedules in the in the calendar in the international calendar is the t20 world cup which takes place next year so you would think you know, what's the point of playing any more ODIs? Certainly, so soon after the World Cup. Um, but yeah, like you say, it, it's scheduled, and it, in in some ways, I think it will be a, a fascinating uh, series just to 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 kind of gauge where Bangladesh are post World Cup. Like you say, I think there is a bit of turmoil kind of in the camp with so many um, kind of changes within the man- team management structure, the team coaching structure, rather. Um, so I think it will be an interesting three uh, ODIs to kind of gauge where Bangladesh are at this moment in time. Um, and let's not forget Sri Lanka
0: as well in, in quite a bit of turmoil. kind of. Oh, completely. They, they didn't have a good World Cup at all. And, uh, you know, I had it not been for that washout... Uh, in the game against them at Bristol, I wonder whether Bangladesh might have been in a very, very different situation, come the end of the World Cup. Yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, they they did finish quite strongly. Obviously, beating England was was you could say the result of the uh, of the tournament. Yeah. Um, but yeah, certainly lots of turmoil within their ranks. I know that you know their players and board. Uh, have kind of constantly been clashing over the last kind of few months or even years so there, there's a bit of uh, of an unsettled kind of uh, feel to their team as well so um, but but yeah, like you say, I guess the big thing for Bangladesh is to kind of move on from the World Cup so like you say, Mushrofi's not going to be playing a couple of other uh, people missing through kind of injuries slash being rested so um, a chance for others to impress but the one thing uh, that stands out for me and I, I know it stands out for others sort of looking on sort of social media is is kind of some of the omissions from the team so the the biggest omission I think is uh, Rahi. so the fact that he's been kind of dropped from from
0: that squad just seems without a game without a game in the World Cup like like, really bizarre.
1: Exactly, yeah. I mean, so he was warming the bench for the whole World Cup. So...
0: After, after I thought, impressing an island. I, th- I think, he, you know, like, given the conditions, given the sort of fairly green pitches we played on at some point, you know, this is a guy who was in the squad Okay, maybe because Tuscan was injured, but primarily because he looked like he could move the ball a bit in New Zealand. And then they came to England and they played... In some situations, the day after it rained on slightly green pitches, but he wasn't there. Yeah, um, yeah. like you know, just just bizarre to have not given him a game at all, at all.
1: Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Um, so yeah, I saw him in Ireland. He picked up a five four uh, in one of those games in the Tri Nations series. So again, he wasn't. He only appeared, I think, twice, maybe in that in that uh, series. So he wasn't a constant there, but one of the things I picked up actually from speaking to Steve Rose during the Tri Series and also after the World Cup, he kind of commented on how good a professional Ruki was in terms of constantly warming the bench. But the fact that you know, even though he wasn't being picked for the team, that you know he was he was taking that you know in 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 uh, you know in very very good grace, he was um, you know acting the you know the team professional understanding that um you know a team is a squad of players and not individuals so um it yeah it was really surprising that a like you say he didn't get at least a game in the world cup i personally thought that that last game against pakistan was was the ideal time to bring him in a dead a dead robber um, you a know, green, slightly green pitch. Exactly. A, uh, sloping,
0: a sloping stadium, you know, perfect for, for Robbie to come and do his thing. Yeah,
1: but for whatever reason, he he didn't get picked. I, you know, part of me feels that, obviously, with Masrafi and the team during the World Cup, I think that kind of um, kind of limited his
0: chances. I, I, do you know, I, I also actually think this, the surprise performance of Shiford didn't probably... Kept him out of the squad as well. I don't think anyone expected Scheiferden to, to really sort of be at one point Bangladesh's leading wicket taker. I think I think overtaken by Mustafa's uh, towards the end, but he was impressive with the bat and ball. So, I mean, he probably kept, I'm saying, Abu out of the squad for a lot of it, out of the team, but also came out of the Cricket World Cup a good promising character for Bangladesh.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think he was one of the bright spots amongst kind of the younger group of players. So yeah, certainly Saifuddin in terms of his, I think I think there's potential there. There's certainly raw potential there, and if he's kind of dealt with and managed in the right way, I think he's got the pace. He's, I, I'm pretty sure he's the quickest uh, bowler that Bangladesh have certainly in the fifty-over setup. But yeah. Certainly Saifuddin in terms of, um, you know, one of the the more promising youngsters in the team uh,
0: going forward. He's he's certainly one of them. And so what next for Bangladesh? What marks progress? Is it all roads leading to the World T20 next year? Um, Or is it a shifting focus back on test matches? Or is it looking forward to 2023? Well, yeah. Personally, I'd like all of those three things to happen. <laughs> what do we, we all? I just, I
1: just want them. I want them to win in all three formats for for as for as long and as consistently as possible. Um, But, yeah, I guess in the short term, I would like to see a really competitive series in India in November. I think that's a really important series. So they've got two tests. I think it's three T20s that they're playing out there during November time. I think it's really crucial that they put up a good performance in those tests, for me anyway. Um, One of those tests, the second test being played at Eden Gardens, Kolkata, hopefully I'll be here. heading out there for that. And yeah, like you say, after that, they move on to the, well, domestically, it's a BPL pretty much straight after that series from the start of December. So um, in terms of moving into 2020 and in the the T20 World Cup, that should kind of hone some of the uh, the players uh, T20 game uh, a bit more during that tournament. Um so yeah, there's there's obviously lots of cricket to, to play coming coming ahead. Um what I would hope is that yeah, there's there's a bit of consistency um to, to their results and for me crucially it's those results away from home that, that that make the difference. And one thing as well that I would like to see, I, I know I was just talking about sort of the fast bowling department, is for better wickets, really, in Bangladesh. So for some of those wickets that will help um, the the faster bowlers. So, uh, um, yeah, it's that kind of changing mindset to move away from producing those kind of slow turners at, at the Sherry Bangla Stadium that we know Bangladesh can bowl out teams for less than 200. You know, they can bowl out any international team for less than 200 on that on that turning wicket as Sherry bungler That's been proved over time. I think the real challenge is to produce more sporting wickets where hopefully the fast bowlers can can prosper. So that means the fast bowlers within the Bangladesh team can
0: can kind of prosper, can learn, develop their skills. I, I couldn't agree more. I think there was well there is something to be said about all the things Bangladesh have worked on leading up towards this World Cup and, you know, there was that series in South Africa where we learn about the short ball and then New Zealand realising that we couldn't play against swing and all these things that they sort of practised and worked on and sort of fixed before this Cricket World Cup because they knew they were coming to England. I think for me it's so important that they don't take their foot off the gas and suddenly our fast bowlers aren't left to the side um, because they know that they're going to be playing on Indian pitches in the next Cricket World Cup. So yeah, I, I hope Bangladesh will build on the progress and you're right about the pitches. I think that going to be so important. Let's nurture fast bowlers so we don't have sort of a panic situation uh, when we need to go and play abroad the next time. Um, exciting times ahead, though, I think. We are playing a lot of cricket. There's another World Cup next year, so hopefully uh, we won't have to go without that feeling for too long. Tahit, thank you so much for joining me. It's been really, really fun chatting and looking back on a very surreal six weeks. I, mean, I don't think I'll watch Bangladesh play cricket ten times uh, any time soon ever, to be honest. I mean, it's longer than most of their tours or series are. So uh, a very surreal but very kind of enjoyable festival of cricket the World Cup um, disappointing in the end but uh, I, I think an important chapter in Bangladesh's history and hopefully we build from there so thank you so much for joining me thank you it's been brilliant thanks for having me and if you have any thoughts on Bangladesh cricket send me an email podcast at bungalowcricket.co.uk and we'll see you for the next one very soon